So good. So good. The mouths of babes, right? Well, Merry Christmas Eve. Thanks for letting me be a part of your Christmas Eve celebration, your Christmas celebration this year. It's honestly a a privilege for me to be able to share with you God's word a little bit, share with you a little bit about the Christmas story. Uh, I love Christmas. I am the epitome of one of those Christmas junkies who would take any piece of Christmas and celebrate it all year long if I could. I love the trees. I love the lights. I listen to Christmas music all year long. Yeah, I'm that guy. Um, Just about everything about Christmas I'm a fan of, aside from... Uh, Christmas family photos. (laughs) Anybody else feel that? No, no one else. All right, let me show you a little bit of my Christmas family photos this year. Um, It always seems like there's something that goes wrong in every picture. So smiling, happy faces, and what happened, right? Next one, we got, oh, the family's so happy and smiling, even the dog, but look at Jackson. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Next one, oh, yeah. Everything goes sour when the tears come out, right? And this one, Jackson's running away. I don't, I'm literally leaving the scene. Oh, and here it begins. Wait for it. And there's one more. Oh, there it is at its finest, right? This is Christmas family photos every year for the Belongs. And then we get one, right? You're like, oh, hold on. Another Christmas miracle. We got one. Uh, one of our high school directors, Christina Marandola, took these shots. And so I asked her, hey, you know, she sent me some, some of the ones that are kind of silly where the kids are really all over the map. And I said, hey, how many pictures did you take? And she said, 600. (laughs) That's painful, right? Because I go into these things and I expect, my expectation as a logical, like clear thinking man is seven to 10 minutes, right? That's how long it should take. You just pose, smile, click, jump on my back, pose, smile, click. And then, you know, the photographer gets another little lens out or whatever, and then pose, smile, click, and we're done. Like, it's really, really easy, enough for a Christmas card, and you go home. But it never works that way. I can bribe them with ice cream, with candy, with iPhone 7s. I can bribe them with anything, and they won't take it. They just don't smile. I don't get it. They're great kids. I love them, but I love them. Did I say that yet? Love my children. Love my family. Don't like those pictures whatsoever. I love the outcome. So thank you, Christina. Uh, but, but there is something about expectations. As you're sitting in the crowd, you're probably going, Scott, lower your expectations. That's all there is to it. You go into Christmas photos and your expectations aren't seven to 10 minutes. Maybe you'll reach your goal, right? Uh, and there's some truth to that. I think that the reality is expectations are difficult. They form and shape every situation we walk into. So whether you're, you're close in what you're expecting or whether you're far from, it will completely influence the way you view a situation that's occurring. Uh, and so I don't think anyone understands that better likely than the people of Israel at the time of Jesus coming, right? This awaited savior, hoping, anticipating, waiting this warrior king to come and take over the world and to and completely eliminate the Roman rule, which they're suffering under. And we read a story instead about a Jesus who comes as our Emmanuel, who comes in a very different way, a way that they didn't expect, a way that they weren't at all perceiving, but yet still with the power and the majesty and authority um, that they were hoping for. And so we're going to spend a little time today. We're going to talk about this kind of now and then, or then and now, I'm sorry, Savior, this then and now God that we serve, this God who is the same in the Old Testament in the time of Jesus, and he is now, and he's consistent And nothing's changed with him, although our surroundings and our circumstances are different. He's no different at all. You see, the plan of redemption, the plan of salvation, none of that has changed. From the very beginning, God created mankind to be in relationship with him for it to be whole and for it to be right. And because of sin through Adam and Eve, from that point forward, this plan of redemption has been in place. 
And God's desire all along is to come and to rescue his people, to draw them back to him so that they might be in right relationship with him once again. But the plan of how that came about wasn't as expected. And so as we got a chance to hear so well from Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, I also want to present to you a Christmas story from Matthew 1, where we get introduced to this God, this God-man Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So turn with me, will you? Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read it. It's on the screens too, if you'd prefer. Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, a righteous man, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son... And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will forgive his people and save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah when he said this, the the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. So again, the plan didn't change. All along, this has been part of what God was designing to do to restore his people and bring them back to himself. But the path in which it happened was very unique and unexpected. And so today we're going to spend a little time unraveling this idea of this God-man, this God in flesh, our Emmanuel. And what I want to do today is a little different. I want to take those three words, spelling out Emmanuel, God with us. And I want to unpack each of those words. And I want to give you a description of how I, how I see Jesus in those things, how I see Jesus coming in the flesh to fulfill each of those pieces of this Emmanuel person that we read about. And so uh, will you join me in that as we talk a little bit about this God? And you see, Jesus was fully God from the, from what we read in scripture from the very beginning, he has always been God. John chapter one, one tells us this, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word being Jesus in that passage refers to the fact that from the foundations of the world from before time, Jesus has always been with God. In fact, if we go into the creation story, if we talk about God creating the heavens and earth and all that's in it, and we go to the part where he creates man, right? It says, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our own image. This is not singular. This is plural. The God, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit together in one were part of creation. They existed before time. So you see when this God enters the world, he enters it in a very unique way, a very unexpected way. But all along again, the story has been the same. There is no way for man to be rescued from their sins apart from the perfect substitute. Apart from someone coming who is a perfect replacement to take the place of sinful man. Because, because, because of sin and man, the relationship with God was severed. And so Jesus was the path that God chose. He sent his son, his only son, to enter the world even though he himself was fully God. And so we see this Emmanuel and we have to understand that picture. That's huge, a big part of the equation. But in this God, I wanna introduce you to what I would say is a, is a humble warrior. 
This picture of this God entering our world is, I, I, wanna, I, I view it as a humble warrior. I see this baby Jesus born in a manger and I think obviously it's humble. That's easy for us to grasp. We can look at the story of Christmas and we can go, yeah, it's, Jesus is humble. Clearly he came as a baby, dependent, soft, cuddly, right? The most vulnerable creature in humanity is an infant and Jesus chooses to come that way. He enters the world completely humble. You see, my wife loves babies, loves babies, loves them. If you have a baby right now, please do not talk to my wife. Don't hang out with my wife. Uh, every time she holds one, she gets this little look in her eye like, hmm? And I look at her back and go, hmm? Like, you saw the pictures, right? Um, you've, you've experienced what I've experienced. No, we love our kids. Did I say that before? We love our kids. Um, but my wife loves babies, but she loves it because they're cuddly and they're so dependent. They're such sweet spirits. They're completely and utterly humble. And Jesus enters the world that way. But not only does he come as an infant, but he comes in the flesh of man. So we read in Philippians 2, Paul's description of what Jesus' humility is like says this in Philippians 2. You'll see it on the screen. That Jesus, who being in very nature God, as we said, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. But even before we can get to this description, we have Jesus becoming obedient to birth, right? Stepping into our world, entering our world. Deity in the form of man is crazy, but that's how he chose to come. So this God comes humble, but he also comes as a warrior. Tim Uhlhoff nailed this on the head last week when he talked about how Jesus came to pick a fight with the, the systems and the schemes of Satan. He came into the world to overthrow what the enemy was trying to accomplish. Now, the people of Israel wanted the Roman rule to be overthrown, and that wasn't yet part of the plan. But what, what the enemy was trying to accomplish, Jesus had in mind. And so he comes as a warrior. Yes, he comes peacefully. He comes as a baby, but he's coming to accomplish what he always has been planning to do, which is to begin and to inaugurate this new kingdom, to bring onto earth this new kingdom where he rules and he reigns and he's all powerful, not the enemy of the air. And so this God, this Emmanuel, this God is a humble warrior and he comes to be with his people as we read. And I would argue that that would be, that the form he came in was a compassionate deliverer. He came, he stepped onto earth, he recognized the weakness, the pain, the suffering of mankind. He heard their cries, like he heard the cries of the people in Egypt, the Israelites as they were crying out. He hears the cries of the people of the time. He knows the suffering of this world, he knows the hardship that people face, and he enters it to be with them. He's compassionate. He experiences all that we experience. Suffering, torment, difficulty, rejection, hate. He feels it all. And in the midst of it, he pursues those who are unlovable, who are rejected, who are not valued in their culture, and he offers to them life. He offers to them an opportunity for relationship. He offers to them restoration with the God of the universe who created them from the very beginning. But you see, he comes to be with his people compassionately. He cares, genuinely and intimately cares for you. 
But he comes as a deliverer. He comes to rescue. Again, like the people of Egypt, he came to rescue, to free people, to pull them out of the bondages they were living in. And specifically, that wasn't the Roman rule, but that was their sin. He came to free them. He came to provide the only way possible for them to be freed from the weight of sin that they carry on their own shoulders by him becoming obedient to death as we read and taking on that weight for all of those who would trust and follow after him. And so through his death and through his resurrection, Jesus accomplishes what has always been in place to be accomplished, which is the conquering of sin and death, overthrowing of the plan of the enemy. He came to deliver, to free us. And he came to redeem his people back to himself and to restore them into a relationship with God that they had needed from the very beginning. You see, I think Hollywood's got an interesting picture of this. Hollywood, in almost every Christmas movie you watch, this is the theme, right? Restoration is massive. Think about it for a second. I've watched a ton this Christmas season. Again, Christmas junkie. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Elf. The Santa Claus. Home Alone, right? I can keep naming them over and over. Four Christmases. All of these movies, there's brokenness. There's severed relationship. There's a desire for there to be restored relationship with people that have, that have left or have been separated from the family or that are hurting or whatever it is. There's this same theme that continues to run through all these movies. It's just me- missing the one piece of the puzzle that really matters most. It's, they're missing Jesus. Hollywood got the concept. Hollywood got the need. They dismissed the only person who can actually provide that true source of joy and peace that people are looking for. The real design of restoration as it was designed to be. And so again, we see that Jesus comes as Emmanuel. He comes as a humble warrior. He comes as a compassionate deliverer to accomplish all the things that people in Hollywood are stirring up at Christmas time. All the things that you and I wrestle with day to day in a regular routine. He comes to accomplish those things, to free us from the burden and the bondage of our sin. And lastly, he comes as God to be with us. And so the uniqueness of this Emmanuel is that he comes specifically for his people and he knows his people. And so I, I would say he comes as an intimate king. And that's a weird kind of combination of words because intimate, we think of someone who's deeply personal, who knows us in the depths of who we are, right? Again, almost like an infant. An infant's very intimate in some ways, but deep relationships are intimate. When you know someone, when you're married to them, when you spend a lot of life together and you, you know how each other think, that's intimacy. And Jesus came for that with his people. But you see, we don't, we don't do relationship well in our culture. For most of us, we grew up in homes that were pretty broken to some degree. There's divorce, there's separation, there's, there's wrestling of relationship that's not healthy. And so as kids, even we grow up in that and our picture of what intimacy looks like is scary. Most of our high school kids or junior high kids, their version of relationship is on their cell phone, right? They text more than they talk. They actually instigate relationships on texting and they, they end them through texting. Like it's, it's just a different world in this era of technology that we live in that relationships are very different and they're, they're not very deep. It's hard to really know someone really well. In fact, if I were to create for you a top 10 list of fears in America, I read a bunch of these. Many of these lists, somewhere in the middle, you find the word intimacy. We are deathly afraid of being known by people at its fullest. We are deathly afraid of vulnerability. Of being known and knowing someone is really, really scary and overwhelming to us. 
because we don't do relationship well. We don't do intimacy well. But Jesus came to break that mold. He's intimate. He comes to know people where they're at. He comes to love them exactly where they're at. He sits with people in their worst moments and cares for them and shepherds them and loves them with grace. This is the Jesus, the warrior king, the compassionate deliverer that has come into earth. This is the one. But he's also king. We sing about it. We recognize that he deserves our praise. What he's come to accomplish and what he's already begun to do is phenomenal. Changing mankind forever, entering the world, conquering sin and death for us so that we might be restored to our creator. There's nothing greater in the world than that. But this king also comes intimately. This king comes to restore and to rule, but this king comes to know us. And wants to be king, not only of our world, but king of your life personally. You see, it's the descriptions of things like humble warrior and compassionate deliverer and intimate that make me want to trust this king. That caused me as a seventh grade kid to say, I believe in this God who loves me so deeply that he would rescue me from my stuff and my junk, from my sin. It's those descriptions of Jesus that for me, woke me up to the reality of how mighty he is. That this incredible king that's described in Zechariah as this, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and victorious, mounted on a donkey. (laughs) Completely confusing. Humble, yet righteous and victorious. This is the king who not only deserves our awe and our praise and he will overturn this world, but is deeply interested in knowing you and becoming king of your life. So I think the question is this, if this is true, if God really came, if Emmanuel came and he's God with us, what does that mean for us in Christmas time? If he came as this humble warrior, gentle yet accomplishing all the things that were prophesied about in the Old Testament, if he comes as this compassionate deliverer, knowing us and caring for us, and wanting to free us from the bondage of sin, if he comes as this intimate king who's already come to inaugurate his kingdom and will return victorious to restore the world back the way it was designed to be with our creator, for those who would trust and follow him, what does that mean for us? What is, how does that change Christmas? And I just want to offer you this. For many of you in the room, Christmas is celebration. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. You love it. Every piece of it you enjoy. For others of you, you suffer at Christmas time. Because Christmas is a time that we come towards people we love, right? We'll go overseas, we'll go out of state, we'll do whatever. The barriers aren't there so we can be with the people we love most. But yet for many of us, the people we love most aren't here. There's missing seats at the table. There's severed relationships with people that are not yet restored. There are people who have died or have left the family for whatever reason and there's an empty seat and it hurts, it's painful. The blondes, my family, we're going through that this year. I lost my dad in February. It's the first year we're going to go through Christmas without dad, without my kids having Papa to wrestle with, to embrace them when they open a gift and they run and jump in his arms and he smiles from ear to ear because he loves it, even though he has no idea what they even gave them because my mom did the shopping, right? But that embrace is just, there's nothing like it. And to watch it as a son, to see your dad embrace your, it's fantastic. I'll miss that. I'll miss the trash bag in the corner as he gobbles up all the wrapping paper right? As he sits there and collects it all and then tells us how we shouldn't spend so much money on Christmas. And I'll miss my kids cuddling with him 
on a recliner watching a movie, a Christmas movie, or football after we enjoy a feast together. But there's a hole in our family this year. And it will be difficult. And like for many of you, Christmas is a time where it's hard. It's difficult. And so I hope that today, as you get this picture of this Emmanuel, God with us, who entered our world, that you might be slightly encouraged. That amidst the sorrow and the pain that's so deep and so real in our lives, that there's this humble warrior who came and entered the world and took on the flesh that we wear, who walked into a sinful place in the most humble of forms, vulnerably, and yet still accomplished everything he promised he would do. There's a compassionate deliverer who came to be with his people, who understands your pain and your suffering and your sorrow because he lived it himself. He walked through the same challenges, same difficulties, and yet was victorious in them. He's the one that comes after you to comfort you and love you in your deepest of sorrows in this season. And he desires to free you from it. If it's sin, he wants to free you from that by offering up an opportunity for you to have relationship with him and be restored to the Father. If it's just addiction or things that are so present in your life in this season because you don't know what else to run to, he wants to be there for you to run to him, to free you to that versus the things that are so harmful for you. He's a compassionate deliverer. And that this intimate king, this one who knows you better than you know yourself, yet he still loves you exactly as you are, that intimate king not only is overturning this world, but deeply wants to be present in your personal life. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to recognize that the life he comes to offer is far greater than anything you can muster up on your own, far greater than anything this world can offer you. And in fact, he's coming back. He rules and he reigns now. He inaugurated his kingdom, but he's going to consummate it and he's going to come back victorious, this time on a white horse and not on a donkey. And the world will be changed forever. Tears will be gone. Sorrow will be gone. The restored relationship will happen again because this Emmanuel, God with us, God, chose to enter our world, to associate with us as sinful man and to provide a way out. And so we sing about him at Christmas. And as you go through the difficult holidays or the fun holidays, would you be reminded of who he is and what he accomplished for you? And would you maybe just consider allowing him to be king of your life? Would you trust him to be your savior? The one and only way out of your sin that he might rescue you from that and restore you to the father who created you from the very beginning. Let me pray. Lord, you're amazing. What you've come to accomplish at Christmas time is absolutely mind-boggling and incomprehensible for us as humanity. But you're incredible because you came. You chose to enter our world. You chose to associate with us. And you choose to pursue us with the desire to restore and redeem your people. Lord, would we be people who trust you? Would people in this room who maybe have never trusted you before, would they let today be the day that they would allow you in? Would they not leave this place without trusting you and talking to somebody who could help them understand you more fully, Jesus? But we're grateful because you're king and we're grateful because you know us and you love us. And we're grateful that you came. So Jesus, at Christmas this year, we celebrate you and we're grateful for you. In your awesome name, amen.